Today on Fish's Call Sheet, we are diving into the world of production and producing. I have Jada Ford with me, a story producer. Welcome, Jada. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having me. I, I'm fascinated. You know, a lot of your career has been in the unscripted world, and that's a world that has grown and has kind of taken over television. So I have a lot of questions because that's one of the areas that I don't have as much experience. So you're going to be teaching me as much as teaching everybody else. We have these titles. What is this? What do people think a story producer does? You know, I feel like with anything producer wise, everyone's like, oh, they're the finance people or, oh, you tell a story and they're like, where's the story in the scripted world? I mean, unscripted, because it's like, you know, you're not, it's nothing scripted. So what kind of story you're telling? But there is a story being told in unscripted and we have to make sure that we are telling the stories of the, especially if you have like an ensemble cast, you are still telling their stories. They all have a story arc. So we just have to make sure that we follow it. And if anything changes, it goes with our whole story arc that we had plans. Um, obviously unscripted, it's <laughs> things can go unplanned, but we, we still have to tell a coherent story when you're, you know, when you're watching the show. I think a lot of people think that when unscripted, it's like a reality, they call it too. Um, it's, you just throw them out there and there's a camera and we just follow what they do. People aren't that interesting <laughs> to just <laughs> follow 24 hours and you know it's that's it it's like we have to tell the story so i'm there from start i'm there from the prep stages of from from outlines to to writing a storyline is like um you know jennifer's she's got a party that she's planning at the end of the season what is her what's happening in the beginning though like how are we starting this party planning phase what kind of hiccups is she having along the way is anyone bugging her in between and then is there some sort of obviously there's going to be some sort of dramatic element um you know they keep the viewers going and then at the end does this party you know at the end of the eight episodes does this party happen yeah i'm always blown away i think people don't give enough credit to like especially producers on the unscripted side and reality television in particular you are the writer you are the director in a lot of ways you are everything all in one kind of in the spot give it to me now. Can I figure out what's going on and how does it fit together all at once? And you've been a field producer, which I always explain to people was like, that means you're out in the field with people and you got to get as much footage as you can now. And you just got to make it all coherent as you go. And so you have to have an idea of what other people have done, what other people might be doing. And then, like you said, what the arcs are for these stories and then some of them kind of unfold in front of you and to be able to do all of that at once is it's an incredible combination. Yeah, I mean we do a lot and 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 you know mostly as a story producer for most shows, not for every show, it depends on the show. Sometimes you're in the field and sometimes you're just doing post, but for a lot of shows that I've done, we have to take it from start to finish. So you know, I could be in the field taking notes or directing or like, this is how this story should go. Or you're, you're prepping the cast too. like, hey, remember last week, you know, you weren't friends with this person. Right. So today you can't be friends with her right now until we till we resolve the storyline between the two of you. Then we take it into post where like, as you see my monitor back there, where we're stringing out these episodes. So I personally work with an editor so that I know how to string together my story and put the pieces together. But editors really bring these things to life. So I work closely with, you know, whoever I'm assigned to or just, you know, someone I've worked with before and we really bring that um, story to life. So it is a start to finish. And then we have to do interviews. So like, we'll have to interview these cast members to take us through what they're thinking when all of this stuff is happening. Right. So they're, you know, they're there to tell that story too. And we have to make sure they're following the story that needs to be told so now how did you fall into this world how did you how did you find your way into this what brought you to the entertainment industry and, and what led you down this path ever since i was a little kid i've been fascinated by television i probably was the only kid who was like five years old with like a tv in her room i was always fascinated by tv and for a while i actually actually wanted to be an actress and then when I was about 15 or 16, I was an extra in um, a movie because I grew up in Baltimore. So I was an extra in this movie called Liberty Heights. I loved it. It was cool. But I kept looking at these people behind the scenes, like calling the shots, like doing really cool stuff. And I was like, 
wait a minute, like, I want to do something like this, like, this looks really cool. You know, this is the path that I want to take. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started taking, um, I went to college. And after I graduated, um, I stayed in Maryland for a little while. But the only thing you could really do there is like news, news wasn't really my thing. And so I was like, I think I need to come out to LA. Like, I think I have to do it because that's where that's where people go. Um, so I left and you know, I did a couple um, like independent films, you know, as a PA, just kind of working, you know, working around, working for free, um, you know, taking temp jobs while I'm trying to break in the business. And I, I met someone who was trying to get in touch with an old boss of his or old colleague or old colleague of his. And um, he ended up making friends with the assistant. And I was like, dude, I have got to get back to Maryland because like, I'm not working. I'm just here, you know, but I don't want to, I don't want to go back either. Cause I've seen a lot of people just leave. So he connected me with the assistant and she put me on my very first show, Surreal Life for VH1, forgive the pun, but so surreal too, because it was like, I, that was the first set I've been on. It was a reality show. And I honestly, Michael, I thought that reality shows were going to be temporary. <laughs> Right. I thought they were going to be like, you know, around for like a year or two. And I was like, I'll just do this for a little while and then I'll work my way into scripted. But no, it's still here. Yeah, well, <laughs> <Not my. laughs> a lot of people felt that way. You know, it's so funny. The old school people in the industry all kind of had that reaction. It's like, oh, man, it, it, it'll be a craze for like a year or two. They had no concept. But I think a big part of that is they had no concept of how good the storytelling was going to be and how much they would be able to kind of weave and connect people. Because we'd all experienced people who thought they were funny or thought they were entertaining on their own, who were okay in short stints, but no one expected people to really be able to maintain that. And I think a large part of that is goes hand in hand with what you do now is shaping, sculpting, creating content, not just showing up with a camera and pointing and, and hoping something happens. Exactly. And that's, that's the biggest misconception is that people think that we just show up. I've worked with um, actors like yourself who we've done these shows and, or, you know, it might be a little uh, a stint or like a little gig or a little something. Sometimes just we're like, oh, well, why do we have to wait? Or why do we have to do whatever where, where they're like, it's unscripted. And I'm like, I know, but there's still like a whole method to our madness. And that, you know, I think it's, it's a, definitely an underrated side because, you know, reality does, it does have, you know, a stigma that goes with it as well, but there's also some really cool projects and docu-series and, and stuff that have come out of it that makes it like, okay, I feel, I feel good about what I do. <laughs> well, it's interesting because like any job, right? There, there are jobs, I mean, acting jobs too. There, there are jobs that you work on where you're just so lucky because you realize the depth of what you get to do. And then there are other jobs that kind of are either over the top or silly or goofy, or sometimes you're like, well, I'm not in love with this, but it is the job that is here now and I'm going to do the best I can in it. And I think sometimes we undermine just the value of doing just quality work all the time. And I think that's something you and I share is, okay, if this is the project then I'm going to be the best I can in this project and then give my best to the next thing. And if it's not what fulfills me, then I build something bigger, which is really what you've been doing in your career. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really good. Um, sometimes I have done shows, you know, like you just said, where I'm kind of like, why am I doing the show? But that has actually ended up taking me to other places. And, and, you know, and, and that's also, it's like in our industry as a whole, it's the connections that you make with the people that you work with. I make sure that like, when I'm on set, like I speak to, the PA, you know, or the person that's doing, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me because it's like, one, I was there in their shoes at one point, picking up the trash and, you know, getting coffees and all that stuff like that. But just also like, we're all doing something no matter like, or how big or how small the job may seem like it's, we're all contributing to make one thing awesome. You know, when you have those relationships, it kind of carries on to the next show. Cause sometimes you're working with the same people. I mean, I had a PA once, a production assistant once, who ended up being like my boss later on in life. So it's just like, you never know, but right. they remembered, you know, how you were and how you treated them on set. And we all need to just be kind to each other and, you know, make sure, you know, everyone's job is important. <laughs> I agree. You know, I, I grew up in this business and it's very interesting growing up from the actor side, 
there are, I would have other people come in, people who played my friends on the show or other characters or outside. And they, they would come in. I think they were always shocked because we were pretty close with our crew and we were very connected. And I was always really closely connected to my crew. It's kind of partially what led to this. And I was always struck by how arrogant sometimes people were or how they would look down on people. And I'm like, if ever there was a business, the PA today could be the executive producer on the next gig in six months. And you don't know. And, and you, you really don't. So if ever you needed a reason to treat people well, I mean, you should treat them well anyway. But if ever you needed an extra reason, it's like you have no idea who the next person's going to be or what their next job is. And people skyrocket in this business. And they go from struggling and picking up trash one day to being the executive producer or being in charge of a network sometimes. And you're just like, wow. You're like, okay, I don't have that problem. You don't have that problem because we just treat people well and treat them the same anyway. Exactly. I, I agree with you hundred percent. That's exactly right. <laughs> All okay. the time. What is the best part of your job, Jada, when, when you're producing? What's the best part? The best part of my job, and I, I don't do it much anymore like I used to, but is the the traveling because there's a lot of places that I've been able to see and experiences I've been able to have. Not saying that I wouldn't do it in my personal life, but I may not have gotten to it, you know, at, at that point. And so like for me, it's the places and it, it's um, the experience. I mean, one of the jobs I had that I thought was really cool, um, I worked on Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay and uh, I did a couple seasons of the show, but my first season on his show, he was teaching us how to shuck scallops. Like he literally just brought it over and just came over to the producers and was like, here's how you learn how to shuck scallops. And I'm like, this is so cool. So any, not that I'm shucking scallops ever, but you know what I mean? But like, anytime I have a scallop though, I'm like, Gordon Ramsay taught me how to <laughs> shuck a scallop. Um, so that's, that's honestly, that's a big part of it. But some part is like, just being able to help people tell their stories too. Um, I've done some really feel good shows as well where people are having a, a struggle or something and you know someone comes in and, and makes their life you know a little better that day. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, just, just all the stories and just meeting people. It's just opened my world up a lot. I think people's stories are fascinating. And, and I think one of the areas that doesn't get enough credit when it comes to like unscripted reality television is when you're really telling somebody's meaningful story. And I think sharing someone's visceral, real journey, their challenges, because I think we all share a lot of those challenges, whether it be as a parent, whether it be having a loved one who's sick or, or you know, somebody who has faced something and has anxiety, depression, frustration, anger, guilt, any of those things. I think people have all felt those things. So when you can feel it and transcend that through, I think there's something special. That's, that's what the reality television I like. That's the stuff that, you know, my writing partner and I, we pitch is more, I like to call it more like uplifting or inspirational because that's kind of more my style, but it's really interesting. You know, what does that feel like as a producer to know I'm being trusted with somebody's their whole life, their, their story for the world. It can be intimidating too, um, in a way, because it's like you want to, you, you get to a point where you, you care about that person and you want to make sure that you're doing them right by telling the story that needs to be told. Right. Um, and then because they also put their trust in you and they're being vulnerable and opening up their, you know, their heart and, you know, to the world and it can be very nerve wracking for them. So mm -hmm. I think, it feels good to be able to tell those good stories, like you said. And I, I always try to make cast members and, and or people, subjects or whoever we're with feel good, feel comfortable. Like, hey, we're doing a show. You know, we're, we're you know, we're not saving lives, but well, actually some of these we might, actually some of the feel good ones. Yeah, we, we, we might be actually. Um, but it's just, you know, if you're putting your trust that we're going to do your story justice and I want to make sure that we we do it and tell it the way that it should be told. Um, obviously there are some, you know, network type things, but a lot of times we've been able to push back as well. This is not really their story. So let's tell, tell it the right way. <laughs> and you, sometimes you do have to push back because it is still your project it's still your storytelling. And it's still, yes, you are part of a team, but it's still like, you know, I get assigned to episodes. So if I'm, if I'm assigned to four episodes out of a series, then I'm going to make sure the story is being told in the right way. And we should all be following kind of like the same way. So 
can we touch on that for a moment? You know, we, we all get oversight. I think people in outside of our business don't realize how much oversight really happens, whether it be a production company. I mean, we all have like layers, right? So it's like, you know, you have your executives on your show or your showrunner, and then you have the network. The network has a parent company at times that will come in and, and sometimes sometimes they're late to give you information. Like they come in late and say, oh, you know that thing, you know, you're two episodes down the road in this, but we're not okay with that. So you're going to have to vary that. That's the nightmare, especially in, in an unscripted world because you've moved on. You know, how does that work for you and how do you manage that? It sucks because we have seen a lot of scenes that we shot that have to go on the cutting room floor. Sometimes they end up getting resurrected depending on how they want the story to be told. We do get a lot of that as well, where it's, we've done an episode or two already. It's gone through them multiple times, you know, because um, I don't know, I, maybe I should explain. If we cut something, we do something, we have our story. Then we have this internal kind of rough cut that we do that we share within the production company. So it's like, okay, they give their little notes. We come back. We fix the notes. Okay, then it's got to go to the network. Um, there's about three rounds, you know, through the network and they're giving notes. And then it has happened where they wanted to restructure the entire show. And you're kind of like, okay, and they want you to do it still within that network turnaround that you're supposed to do it. And, you know, and it takes a couple of days to get notes. Sometimes you do fight back because you're like, well, this is, you know, we've, we've been telling the story one way and, and it, it, it's a group effort. It's not just like me back here being like, hey, we're not telling, you know, it's like, this is how we felt as the production and production company. And this is, this is really their story. Or I hate to say it, sometimes you do just kind of, you're kind of like, all right. And you just do what you're supposed to do. It, or it's just a weird blurred line because it's like, you, you do want to stand up for what you know is the real storytelling, you know, but then there's a whole network aspect. So it, it, you know, it, it becomes a conversation, <laughs> a discussion. Yeah. And I know too, um, for my friends who work in, in Unscripted, sometimes the story you think you're telling or the person you think this show is going to be about, it becomes very clear. Someone else is just much more dynamic and they become the storyline. How do you make that switch? How do you, and, and what, what is it that triggers that for you? And then how do you know when it's time to like, oh, we, we need to make an adjustment here? funny that that's actually something that's we're kind of going through right now but we have you know an ensemble, ensemble cast there's seven people that they you know are the main people and then you have a couple extra character additional characters that are that are there and one of our additional characters who wasn't even supposed to be the main one is the one that's really bringing us the story and the oomph. You can have everything that's shot and still shot, but you end up telling it from their point of view mm -hmm. and their perspective, and it ends up being like their story. So it, it happens. And you, we just, as a story person, we have to navigate that and narrate it and tell the story from that other person. And so it's more interviews maybe from that person, even just a couple changes um, in your cut where it's a reaction, more reactions from that person. It, it's the beauty of editing, you know? Um, so it's, it, it happens and we do change it and, it and it's like a lot of this time with Unscripted, you do have to go with the flow because you are on a deadline as well. So it's like, you know, if, if we got to change it a little bit to, to be that person, then yeah, it's just little elements that you can do to, to make it <laughs> their story. Now, what's one of the stories that you've gotten to tell where you look back now and you go, I'm so happy I was a part of that one something that sticks out from your career where you're like, man, I, I'm so happy I was there for that or got to share that. There is a show that I worked on um, called Thanks a Million. Mm -hmm. And it is seven minute show. <laughs> and we follow these three stories in one, in one setting, you know, one episode. And it's the premise of it is um, this person is like, you know, I really want to thank um, someone who was amazing, who did, you know, X, Y, Z for me. Um, and I want to show them with, you know, $100,000 and something. And, and then that person, it's like a chain of kindness. So that person will nominate someone and that person will nominate someone. But the thing is the catch also as the producer, the catch is you can't tell them anything. You can't tell them like someone's going to give you money, someone, whatever they have to trust you. But you're like, Hey, 
you know, someone said you were doing a great job, you meant so much to this person. Um, one that sticks in my mind is Celebrity Gifts. Um, that was the first one they, they give uh, to the story. It was a woman who ran this uh, program where uh, she helped kids in underserved like area communities um, learn STEM. Mm-hmm. And she she was a she was a teacher she was a, a principal but then she left because she really wanted to help these kids um, in her community. When COVID hit, she the kids couldn't be a part of it, uh, the program. So she made and this is before all the virtual learning kind of started happening. But she still did it, still did the STEM program, still still handed out like all the materials, still did everything with her own money. And she was, she lost her job. So she was doing everything with her own money. And even if it was, she was struggling, she still found a way to help families who were struggling even more um, to do this. And so when she received her money, you know, to help someone else, it was, it was a good story, but the, the, the heart, the, you know, the pulling on the (laughs) heartstrings was she wanted to thank this couple who they were retired, you know, they, they worked at a hospital, they volunteered at a hospital, they were retired, and they helped a lot of patients. They taught dance to a lot of like widows and, and pa- people who just lost, you know, people who had been in the hospital for, for cancer and, and, and other sicknesses. And, but it was mostly for the widows because these people, the, their spouses would pass away. And so they had something fun for them to do, but when COVID hit, they had to leave the hospital and they weren't offering the program anymore. So they started doing kind of like a Zoom, no monetary, no money. They just, you know, took their time out and did it. And then they also put together packets and all the stuff for the homeless that they hand out every week. And then they helped people would help raise money to get kids um, scholarships, just helping people in their community get scholarships. When they were thanked that's when I was like crying because the husband and the wife were crying and I'm sitting here on set like you know because it was such a beautiful story it's like people were doing so many kind things and they were just like I never I never thought that anyone would thank me because I just do it you know they just do it but to, to to get that extra step and that extra help or just the recognition that's what that's what brings it all. <laughs> yeah it, it, that's the part I think that unscripted television doesn't get enough credit for is the moments where you bring communities together, where you really can't change somebody's life and, and where we're used to dealing with people who have been in the business for a long time or professional actors, it hits different in an unscripted environment because it is someone's personal story and their life is changing and they're not gonna move on to the next script. They're, this is their life and it's forever changed from this moment. Yeah, it's, it's their story and that's it. Yeah, they don't have to... They're not acting. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's, yeah, it's rewarding. It's rewarding in a lot of ways. It really is. Um, it's more so than I ever thought it would be. So when I first started, we didn't have shows that were feel good shows like this. We had shows where it was just drama. Like all the shows were just, which is, you know, can be entertaining, you know, and some people do it just for fun. So that's why we get that stigma where we, you know, reality's fake. It is very produced in a way but we, but we're still shaping stories. It has to be produced it, right. because otherwise, you know, then we're it, just watching some. Yeah, it wouldn't be very entertaining. <laughs> Wasting a lot of people's time and money. <laughs> yeah. What's the hardest part then because of all of that? What's the hardest part for you? The hardest part, aside from the long hours, because, you know, we, we do long hours, you know, and it's like, or at least for me, it doesn't get checked at the door. Like if I know that something is has to be, you know, get out or be done or something's on my mind for the next one. You know, it's just like, it's always on my brain. That's the, that's, that's always the hardest part because I don't sometimes separate it. The other part is separating yourself though, from, from what's actually happening. That's a hard part too. Sometimes Um, the other part is, is honestly sometimes talent (laughs) because I've, I've definitely had a show before where the talent, either they were always late or always not wanting to cooperate. And, you know, and they'd be one of our biggest ones that we need to focus on. So sometimes it's talking them off a ledge, mm-hmm. um, being their confidant, or just sometimes like, we got to shoot this. Like we just, we, we're spending a lot of money today, bringing this whole crew out here and for you. <laughs> and, you know, you're not being 
you know, respectful or responsive or, you know, whatever. And so that's sometimes the hardest part because people sometimes don't want to come to set or don't want to work or want to take time. And it's like, if we take too much time, then we're going into overtime. Like you realize that you're costing us money. So that's, that can be stressful. It's also stressful when locations have to change last minute. (laughs) That's a whole other thing because we spend a lot of time, you know, one location scouting to making sure that location is good for us for the story. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's like, they feel like sometimes we just go into a location and we're, sh- we're shooting. Um, it's like, we have to make sure that location fits with our story. And, you know, and you're doing a lot of work with production, the production coordinator, production management team to like get a permit for this place or sign off on this place. So it, it's a, it's definitely a lot. So when locations have to change last minute it's like yeah you know it's a nightmare like, yeah. it's a nightmare i always tell people the one thing that people don't realize in in reality or script unscripted television is you know when you go walking down a street or you're filming in a location you have to pull permits you have to get approval because you can't just like sneak that onto the air and pretend it didn't happen because especially in an area like la everybody knows and those yep. things will come back to you later and be like um you were here and we have proof. So, you know, and you, then you pay the price for it. So you can't do it that way. You really have to own up and get, get approval and get space and get permits and do all this stuff. So it's a lot more to it. So especially if you have a limited amount of time in a space, if the people who are on camera don't want to get to work right when they need to, sometimes you're like, we have two hours in this space. I need you to come out and do things now. Actually, I need you to do it an hour ago. So let's go get out. And then I've been the, I've been on that end too, where you're working with the venue and you're like, can we just like another hour? Like, you know, where you're, and because also some of these places are literally stopping their business for us to shoot. And so when you're encroaching on time that we said we're not going to be in, and then we need, we need that space. It all, it's all ripple effects. It's all literally like, you know, and then it's like, we want to be able to shoot here again, maybe, but if we're not good on their, you know, if we're not on good terms with them, they're going to be like, forget it. You're not coming back. <laughs> yeah, you can't burn a location, especially if it's someplace you think you need multiple times. And you're like, and that's where, that's where sometimes the people on camera and, and this is, scripted unscripted it it goes across the board so that's where sometimes the people on camera have to be aware of like when you're shooting on a location you're shooting in a place you got to get a certain amount done so it's fine if you're having a bad day or you we all have stuff that happens in our lives but when it comes time to work you got to step up and do it because we may have only one shot at some of these things and you got to get in and you got to pull it off because we can't burn the location that's a hundred percent right. And I mean, it's, it's, it's that, or it's like, you know, we have this person that was supposed to shoot with us with the team, you know, we have our regular cast, but then we have a guest person that can only shoot for like an hour. And it's like, we can't get them back because they, you know what I mean? It's like, it's all, it's all perfectly, you know, if it's, when it's good when you have a well-oiled machine, but everyone has to do their job in order to make it that way because we don't like you said it's time money but then it's it's time (laughs) without using any names what's one of the strangest things you've seen on set oh yeah um (laughs) i know in our head the first thing there was all the stories you can't tell there's usually the first thing that runs through my mind i'm like yeah i I hate to say any of the fighting stuff because I've definitely had to break up fights in shows, which is not fun. Right. Um, it's actually the worst. Um, well, I think, can we touch on that for a second? Yeah, please. I think, I think that's one of those things that people think that as a producer, you're hoping that a fight breaks out. And the truth couldn't be any further from that because no one benefits from a real fight where people don't like each other for two reasons. The first one is you have no control over what's about to happen and it, and it, wreaks havoc on your whole schedule but then people don't get over it right away like they do in television and movies so now your schedule and there's so much more that goes into it like you don't want a real fight you want people to argue maybe at at a moment or have a moment of contention and then move on yeah and that's and we've had we've had some i've done some shows where there have been some major blowouts um like physical fights um even as a 
I mean, a lot of times we have security, we have to bring security with us because some of these, you know, we're, it's not up to the producer really to stop these, but sometimes we had to be in the middle of them. Um, but yeah, when someone completely fights for real or even argues or has some issue and we're supposed to shoot some happy scene with them the next day and they have, they hate each other. And now we're like, okay, um, we have to change the story <laughs> like big time because it's, yeah. it's, it just changes the whole dynamic. Yes, they do like fights. Yes, there's there's certain things where we do want, but if we're supposed to like, if someone's fighting and we're supposed to have a whole wedding or something that we planned, that literally either throws away our location um, and the money and time that was put into either booking that, that changes our story completely because you can't fake that. I mean, it's not to segue too much, but when it, even when I'm doing interviews and I'm interviewing people and if they're super tired or if they're super like not into it or whatever, you're not gonna get the right response from them. And it's like, you have to call it where you're like, okay, I can't waste my time on these questions or this question because you're not gonna give me the right response. And it's gonna come off really fake on television too. <laughs> that has happened to me though multiple times where people have been in fights, they hold grudges and then we're like, but tomorrow you're gonna be best friends. <laughs> and it's like, but we're not because now I don't like them. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't unring that bell. You can't unsay that thing. And if you if you hit somebody, they don't look the same tomorrow. So you better you, you better keep some kind of semblance of control of yourself because at the end of the day, this isn't everything in your whole world, but it could be if you do something really dumb. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's like not to name names or anything but there are some places though that really like to have that drama and they don't care you know and it they they thrive off of it and you know and and it doesn't matter if it changes their story whatever because they got to fight and so now you know it's like whatever but I have worked on shows like that before in the past but over the past few years I've tried to stay away from shows like that and do more feel-good stuff so I haven't had those fights (laughs) um or those grudges um but so it's been, that's been good. Lately, I've been trying to work on like more positive type shows. So I try to focus on like more like shows where I feel good at the end of the day right. producing because some of those shows that are exciting for viewers to watch weigh heavily a lot on the producers and the pr- production team. Um, I always say the crazier the shows are, the worse it is for the people who are in the field. I've been trying to stay more for like feel good shows and like that way when my kids, if they watch any of this stuff ever one day, right. <laughs> then I'm like, I did that show instead of I did that show. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And, and I think that's a big part of some of the stuff that I want to do and make. And so I, I think that's a good way for us to transition because you're transitioning through your career, growing through this transition, you've moved kind of all the way through the business. And now you are making and, and creating content through Black Vintage Media. The reason why I started it is because a few years ago, after I had kids, I was kind of in a weird like career rut. Like I still wanted to do TV. I still wanted to work in television. I still wanted to do this. But I was also like, I'm really tired of seeing shows that there's not a lot of good representation for people of color. Right. Um, and so my biggest thing was I want to find those people mm-hmm. and help them tell their stories. I created the company, I created Black Vintage Media to do just that. And so I actually, how I find my people, um, you know, there's something that I want to see. Like I got into RVs one day, right? And I was like, man, I haven't seen a show about RVs. Like, you know, just looking and I'm like, there's a great couple out there. And so I'm on Instagram and I literally reach out to people on Instagram or social media. And I'm like, hey, I think what you're doing is cool. I'm happy. Do you have you ever thought about doing like a TV show? You know, and I try to explain like I'm not. I'm legit. Like I'm not a crazy person. Just you know, like look me up. I do work in television. Um, so I, I started doing that, and I have two shows right now that are in development because like just to tell these stories, and it's about people of color, and it's it's positive stuff. It's like I got just really tired of us being represented on camera where we're fighting mm-hmm. or where you know there's some dramatic aspect or you know or the one sport that we can do or you know it's etc where it's like we are doing other things right it's just not being celebrated or it's just not being it's not normalized and i want to make sure it is so that's why yeah we we shared that that vision and mission you know i i looked at your your business model and and talking about inclusion 
and diversity and, and positive representation. It's something my writing partner and I talk about all the time because, you know, one of the things is we always say we write stories that are about people that happen to be from what would be considered minority viewpoints or, or diverse viewpoints, but they're people first. And I think that's the part where people have lost track of this is I don't want some kind of stereotypical or, or, or preconceived notion. I think this is the thing is people are doing everything in every community. There are people who are doing amazing things. And the whole point is, if you think everybody who does RVing looks one way or everybody who plays a sport looks one way or everyone who is into dance or whatever your passion is, if you think there's not diversity in that group, then you're not either looking hard enough or paying attention. I'm with you. I want to see positive, passionate uh, exploration and representation of that. Yeah. And it's also like for my kids who are little, it's like I want them to be able to know that they can achieve something, you know, because other kids look like them are doing the same thing. One of the shows I have is around animals and stuff and um, the people who who the characters who were a part of this animal life. But, you know, one of my biggest thing was when I was a kid, my white friends would ride horses. And I was like, oh, I probably can't do that because that's not like, you know, not that it was ever discouraged, but I just felt like, oh, that's not what black people do. We just don't ride, which is, which is dumb, but it's the representation that I hadn't seen. And so I was like, oh, we just don't ride horses. But, you know, when you start looking at stuff and like the urban cowboys and all the stuff like that, I'm like, everybody rides horses. Why would I ever think that? But it's just because it, we just don't see it, you know? Right. It's, it's not prevalent and we don't see it and we don't highlight it. And unless you're around it, and, and that's part of this is showing a, a deeper world. You should be able to dream for any of these things or just because you haven't seen someone who looks like you do it yet doesn't mean you can't, doesn't mean you're excluded from it. There are people who are doing it and you just have to look a little deeper. I think that's the beauty of social media and, and connection. If we're doing it right in the media, we start to show a more realistic view of the world. Yep, yep, that's exactly, yes. <laughs> and I, I love it. I mean, I think, being inspired by your kids, I think, is a, is a big thing. You know, I, I think over the years, my kids have inspired me. I've been a coach and, and coaching along the way, I've been shocked. Like, you know, when I started coaching travel ball, I didn't go to a big organization that tried to hire me because I actually started a group that was local or inner city kids who previously couldn't have afforded that kind of opportunity. It was shocking to me, um, not just that people didn't think they could do it, but also the reaction of some of the other teams when we'd go and play, because we were so much more diverse. We were primarily you know, African-American or, or Latino, and people would look at us when we would come in and they, they had judgments. You know, Our hair was different, our style was a little different. And I was always like, no, you be you, because your game will speak for itself, right? We know how to play the game. And, and that's the part that's gonna matter. But I was always blown away by how much extra garbage we went through and that I really felt was important for me to help these kids who were passionate about the game stay in the game long enough that people didn't chase them anymore to get rid of them, but instead started chasing them because they wanted them on their team, right? And it was like, be valued for what you have and your skill as opposed to being judged by what you look like or somebody else's stupid preconceived notion. Yep, I love that so much. No, I think that's fantastic of you to do that. And I think it's so cool. And I think, like you said, you could have gone to a bigger company or bigger, bigger group, but you were like, no, you're focusing on this group. And I think that attention is even better. So I think that's really cool. And that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do and still trying to do and, <laughs> you know, and continue telling these stories and, and getting them out there. Like, I just, I just want these things to come off and look normal. I just want, it needs to be normal. You know, it needs to be normalized. Until you can see that this is a possibility for you, it's really hard to imagine yourself in there or, or it's hard to tell somebody that that's what you want to do. And I think as we look through history, now we're, we're crossing those roads. Minority groups and, and, and orientation is starting to cross. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago, women were not given rights that were considered just normal for men. And it took us a long time to make that transition. And the transition is so, for those of us who are upfront and watching it and want to see it change is painfully slow. 
but it starts with representation. It starts with people feeling like they're included and that they have not just a chance to be heard, but a seat at the table and that they can make progress. Yep. And yep. so <laughs> it, it, it kills me because, you know, it's a frustration I have of like, don't tell me it could happen. Don't tell me you'd like to help. Let's just do it. Hire people and let's get moving. Right. Like, let's just do it. That's what I'm doing. That's what, exactly. And that's what I'm doing. I'm like, I'll just tell the stories then because if I can't, if, if no one else is, or if I'm not seeing it, it's like, instead of me just complaining about like not seeing it, it's like, then do it. We're just going to, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Was that the dream for you in creating this company and what you want to do next? Is that your vision that you want to kind of change the way you see the world in front of you? That is exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, and I think the thing is with the unscripted side that I have, all that experience, you know, help get me to here. That's what I want to do. And I'm still doing it. You know, even if I'm taking on another show or another job or something, I still want to make sure like the representation is, is, is you know, being, the, being there, being told the right way. So, yeah. I love it. I also think it's so important producing is such an important aspect and to have producers who look like the society that we come from because if you've never been in a group or been involved you don't understand all the layers that go into what that experience is like you can't no one has the universal view of what the experience is for anyone but you also don't even know the things you don't know if you've never been in a community been in a group been in an environment been in a culture and so to have producers who really, this is not just our story, but it is the story of all of us together. But let me tell you where I come from. That's so valuable because it's not just being heard. It's the opportunity to show you what you are missing. And that's, you know, and that's, it wasn't until I would say maybe a couple years ago, but a lot of times I've been on sets where I've been the black producer, you know, the one and, or we'd have shows around like, uh, uh, you know, an, an, an African-American cast, mm -hmm. but there was no, like, no one on my side, you know, it was just me. And I'm like, not that I can speak for every black person, but I was like, if there were a little bit more of us, you know, for representation, you know, we might have some similar stories mm -hmm. or, or backgrounds that we share, maybe, maybe not, but like, you know, if, if I'm coming onto a set, like the show I'm on right now, it's super diverse. It's like women have these roles and, you know, they're the higher ups and so nice to go. And I'm like, you know, it is an ensemble black cast, but the diversity amongst the, the, the entire team, I'm talking like from producer, director, you know, PA to craft services, like everything is like super diverse and that's what I love and that's yeah. what we need more of and you know it's 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 getting there you know and, and certain things that, that I've been on it's getting there um it should be more normal <laughs> but you yeah. know it, it's it shouldn't there. be where you and I are surprised when we get to a set that's fully diverse and I think but that's it's our job and you're taking the forefront I'm trying to take the forefront of leading in that direction because you just want to hire good people and you want the diversity of the world that you live in to be shown and be included both in front of and behind the camera. I mean, we should be showing the tapestry should be the same on both sides. And if you're not, you're going to miss a huge part of the story. Yeah. Like a, like a hundred percent. It's, it's really, it just, it boggles my mind that this is the conversation that we're having to have because we don't see it yet, you know, or see much of it. I mean, it's there, it's getting there, but it's, it, it should have been there. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's, it's sad that it's taken this long, right? but it's nice that people are kind of um, supporting in the way that you're starting to see more allies. You're starting to see more people being invested and it, it bodes well for the future because it's a brighter future if we're all lifting each other up. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> All right, Jada, what is the first thing you look for on a call sheet? <laughs> a lot of times, this is dumb, the weather. Because <laughs> we put the weather on there. <laughs> Just need to make sure. Um, <laughs> also, who I'm working with, because it depends on the show. Um, but that's a, ooh, that's a good one. But yeah, the weather's so dumb. 
but it's two. <laughs> Cause I'm like, if we're going to go outside and shoot, like, I just want to make sure that, because also weather does affect a lot of things. If we were yeah. going to have this outdoor picnic and then it's all of a sudden we find out it's raining today, then we're like, you know, we've lost it. But yeah, that's the first thing I look at. No, it makes perfect sense to me, especially in the unscripted world where you're moving around and shooting things in multiple locations and things are going fast and furious. Weather is a huge disruptor, so it makes perfect sense. All right, now on the flip side, what is the last thing you want to see on a call sheet? The last thing I want to see? Yeah. Oh, Ooh, I don't know. I've never thought about, like, what would I not want to see on there? Um, Maybe an early call time. <laughs> Hey, that makes perfect sense to me. A very early call time. Although I say I had more, I have more tolerance now because I feel like I'm just up. But there was there was a time where I was like, and it doesn't even seem that early to me now. But I'd be like, six a.m. We gotta be there at six. But you're just like, now I'm like six a.m. I'll be there five if you want me to. Right. Well, it's different, especially once you've had kids, right? Because in the old days, you're like. I might be getting to bed kind of late. Now you're like, you're like they will have already woken me up twice. So that that's perfectly fine. A lot of times going to set is my escape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, terrible. What's your favorite thing to see at craft services? Oh my gosh. You know what's so funny? I just, so craft services is like literally the gateway to stuff that you're just, you don't buy in your house. <laughs> And you're like, yes. I'm not going to eat this. Like, I'm not going to, I don't eat cookies. I don't eat whatever. And then you get the craft service. You're like, oh my God, these cookies look so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same as it, or at least in, at least in my world, it's not the same that it used to be because now because of COVID and the, all the stuff, it's like, you're getting prepackaged stuff. Right. But um, let me tell you, when I was doing some shows and craft services is like, right. Sometimes you're there because you're bored. Sometimes yes. you're there because you're like, I've been working late. Lunch hasn't come yet. Let me go, whatever. So craft services, it's always for me. It's always for me. I don't know why. It's always the peanut M&Ms and it's always just cookies, like any type of cookie because I don't eat them. But then on shoot days, I will be going to town. Right. <laughs> okay. So on the flip side of that, what's the last thing you want to see at craft services? as much as I'm like super healthy, I don't want to look at apples. <laughs> like I love fruit, but like, I feel like that just takes away from the whole craft, crafty experience. Um, so fruit. Jada Ford, after all these years, how do you define success? My definition of success has definitely changed. Um, when I was really young, it was like, you know, everybody's going to know my name and we're going to be, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money and it's whatever. Um, Lately, my definition of success is having a goal and being able to achieve it. So even if it's a little goal, um, no matter how little, no matter how small or big it is, it's just having a goal and being able to achieve it or at least go for it. Um, because, you know, failure is always, you know, I've definitely failed at stuff and I never talk, I never thought of it as a setback because sometimes those failures have kind of put me into directions that I should be in. Um, and they, they've got me in good places actually. So I just feel like success is, you know, doing what you want to do, doing what you love, doing what you, you know, you set out to do. And even if you tried and it didn't work as long as you tried it. So for me, that's honestly a success for me is, is, is making sure I achieve, you know, even the smallest goal. Yeah. I always tell people, I, maybe it's because I, I grew up in this business, but failing is kind of this weird thing. And I was a baseball coach for a long time. And failure is this really interesting thing because people are terrified of it. But I always feel like if you don't fail, then you didn't really try. You didn't try all out or big enough. So I always tell people my goal is to fail stupendously, but never lose my enthusiasm. Like that's the trick is can you can you fail so massively that other people joke about it or tease you about it later? and not lose your enthusiasm or your passion for what you're doing. Well, I mean, also failure, it's like a sign of you actually trying and you actually doing it. That was one of the things that brought me, when I came out here to California for the first time, I was in my early, early 20s. And um, I remember when I was leaving my town, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, I know someone that went out to LA, they tried to do it, they didn't, they failed. You know, they came back and I was like, well, even if I do, at least I'm going out there to do it instead of being like some people who were like, man, I give you props for going out there 
and trying, you know, failure sometimes at the moment sucks because you're like, oh, I didn't whatever. But then I'm telling you that it's like, well, I tried. And that way, you know, next time either try again or I tried it. I'm good. (laughs) I don't need to try it anymore. (laughs) Try it different. You know, I mean, I, so many areas of my life and my career, my success was born out of a really embarrassing or terrible failure that taught me, okay, well, this part works. I, I, that part was right. This part was wrong. Now I know why I failed. So now I'm going to adjust this. And then the next time, maybe I adjust one more thing. People never see, you know, they see success and they think, you know, you're an overnight success. And I laugh at our business. A lot of times, you know, we're like 10 or 20 year overnight successes, right? <laughs> yeah. People always do think that sometimes where they're like, oh, they just came out of nowhere. It's like, no, that person's been working for like 20 years. They're just finally getting the recognition that that's happened to where even just getting promoted Mm -hmm. sometimes and people are like, well, what were you doing before? You know, and you're like, no, I've been, (laughs) I was getting coffees and I was picking up trash for people. And then, you know, I just took those steps to get to where I am. But, you know, we we are in this business for, and we have been, I know some longer than others, but like, it's not, it is never an overnight thing. I mean, it may happen one or two people, but like, think of all the stuff that we go through and try. And it's like, if you get on a hit show or, you know, you do something amazing and it's like, oh, that person. Oh yeah. And then you see on, like, you can even look them up and you're like, oh my God, they were used to be on that show I watched or, you know, and I didn't recognize them or know them because now they're bigger or something. So How do you measure up to your definition of success? You know, uh, I mean, you mean me is like personally, like how I feel once I. Well, I love that you said that you, you, it's about achieving a goal, right? It's about setting a goal and achieving it. So it sounds like from, from what I'm witnessing is you're setting a lot of goals and you're thinking outside the box and you're raising not just diversity and representation, but you're raising new projects and new perspectives. So it sounds like you really are achieving each one of those goals in, in kind of different successive orders. Do you feel like you're reaching that success? I do. I feel like sometimes like I had to look back at like when I wanted to come do this, you know, where I was like, when I wanted to come, you know, to LA and, and do stuff. And it's so funny, like, several years ago, it kind of seemed like just a dream, you know, and, and being able to actually do it and and have this dream and, and set these goals, but being able to do and achieve is like huge. And I, and like, sometimes I, sometimes in the midst, you know, in the mix of it, you're kind of like, you know, you're just doing it and you don't think, but then sometimes like I do sit back and I'm like, wow, like, look what I'm doing. Like, I, you know, look, I like, I wish, you know, I would have told myself, you know, when I was 18, if I thought I'd be here doing what I'm doing, I would have probably laughed at myself. I'd be like, ah, no, that's not going to happen right now. (laughs) So I I love what I do. You know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is what it is. But there's like nothing else that I want to do career wise, really. I mean, you know, you you always got to find your like little path because in this, this art industry is so big that yeah. it does help to have a couple, you know, a couple skills in this, in this business. And, you know, just like you, you're writing and it's like, you know, you have to be multi-layered. You have to be, mm-hmm. you have to have more layers. Like that's the way I think that that's the way that you have longevity mm-hmm. because, you know, I could say, Hey, I'm a story producer, but there's a lot of story producers who don't know how to edit and, and string stuff out on Abbott. And they they miss out on jobs because they didn't learn that or, you know, whatever. And it's like, but that's how I work because I learned all of that. Right. <laughs> so I think it's helpful to put your feet in everything. And that's, that's the one beauty about this. And, and that's the one good thing, like going back to what I said about really getting to know people and know other people in your business, because it's like, Maybe one day I want to pick up a camera, but I might need a little help. But my camera person, I've been best friends with this person and said they would help me. Or, you know, I met this person on set and, you know, they said, you can shadow me or work with me. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff. That's the awesome thing about this industry too. Yes, you do have your egos and yes, you do have 
some people who you know don't want to help but I do think because there's so many so many routes and, and stuff we can take that you know it's I'm good you know I love being yeah. here <laughs> yeah it, there, there are in everything there's good and bad people but this business by and large is collaborative and it, it it's made up of a lot of dreamers yeah. with truly unique vision of life and the world and everything around them. And I love it because that's where some of my best ideas come from. That's where I gain knowledge is it's, it's not just what people do, it's how they look at it and the way that they change the way things are done or the way that they look at an aspect of this business and I'm like you, I like one skill is not enough. I want to learn a lot and I, I want to learn from everybody and I want to always be picking up new things. And I, I'll pick on somebody from 10 years ago and say, hey, you know, we talked about this. Are you still doing that? Are you still interested in doing that? Because I want to learn and I'm in. And I think that's where that's where you continue to grow and find new things. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's and like I said, it's it's always any in, it, in any field. It's like try, you know, try something else or add something to your, you know, list of skills that you could do. You know, I think, I think that's a kind of across the board and, you know, I'm glad to, glad to be doing it. <laughs> and I'm sure maybe next year I'll want to do something else. That's cool. You know, in this, in this business. Um, but you know, right now it's, this is where I am and who knows, who knows next year. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it too, is it could be anything. There is no a hundred percent limit. Like this is not the only job you can have. It's one of the beautiful things is that that rise can go as far as your imagination and your willingness to work and all those things kind of combined. What is the thing that you wish you could have on every set? I, this is going to sound honestly respect because yeah. I, I just think, you know, and, and I mean that both ways, like I just want a crew and a team and by team, I mean like all of us, you know, to just have respect for each other because, you know, in the end, we're all creating the same project and we're all, you know, all here for the one thing. So no need to be mean to that person who's helping you look good in this aspect and you're helping us look good in this aspect. So yeah, respect. <laughs> yeah, respect is a huge thing for me. And it's it's like one of the only reasons I would ever leave a project. I don't really leave anything in the middle, but if I ever was to leave stuff, that's, that's the two things that I always tell people are the only reasons I'd leave a job is if respect is something that doesn't occur there, or if there's some kind of ingrained bias or prejudice and people are not being treated fairly, if people are not being treated equitably, and I feel like I cannot change it because my first step is to try and change it from within. And then my next step is, okay, then I can't be here and be a silent contributor. And so that's that. Those are always been my things, and respect is huge. I think it's it's the most beautiful answer. Yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. You know, and 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 plus, it. I feel like if you have to go to work like that, and you know, you know, you work on a project, or you know, you're working months or weeks, you know, with people, it's like not having that is really gonna put a damper on your whole the whole time, your whole experience while mm -hmm. you're there. You know what I mean? And and for that, it's like, yeah, you're right. It's I I don't there's nothing I've walked away from, but there is, there has been something where I decided like not to go back, right. you know, to work for this person because I just overall didn't have a good experience with them or I didn't think, you know, they were great to their people or, you know, et cetera. And I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. So you have to know when it's, when you've, when you've tried your best to make it work and then it's just not the right place for you anymore, right? Like you have to kind of have that, you have to know where that line is. Yeah. And then it's, it's time to go find the next adventure. And, and to me, I always feel like that's when you know it's time for you to move on and grow someplace else. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, now what's the one thing you would eliminate from every set? <laughs> COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now I'm with you. Like that, that probably is the best answer anybody's ever given. Just if we could man, it has changed and impacted everything. It has. It's like, you know, the thing, it's like, it's hard because like, yes, we all get tested and, you know, we'll get whatever, but it's like, that just, it, it does take the camaraderie down a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, we're like, oh, we're standing over here, but hey girl, you know, and it's like, yeah. usually, you know, you're, you're in these circles or you always have, you have to be a part or, and I, and I know this is, we have to do this and I, I'm not, I'm not against, 
it at all. And plus, there's some people that can't work or do their jobs because, you know, of either age or they're, you know, immune compromised or something. And it sucks because it's like, you know, it's hard. And, and I think it's, it's, it's taken away from, it's just taken, not the joy. I don't want to say the joy, because that's going to seem overdramatic, but it's just taken a lot of the, the fun out of it. And even some of the like shows where we've done, where it's like hundreds of us, like these big competition shows. And it's like, now you have to work in your little bubble away from people and you can't be, you know, you can't talk to them or you have to, you know, it's, it's hard. So I would, I would take over. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and I will tell you, even on a set, in a set environment where you have most of the same people week in and week out, it created kind of these divides and, and groups come in at different times and you stagger and you're creating space. And that is just a kind of unnatural boundary to the normal collaboration and the normal connection. I know this year at the beginning of the season for the Connors, because we couldn't just high five or, or give the normal, just like, you know, you have these moments throughout the day where you share a moment with people. We couldn't do that. So I made little pins um, to give to all of the crew and to give to everybody kind of so that they knew that they meant something. And I, and I, I, I we would do this thing where we'd like tap our pins or kind of motion to each other because I wanted them to know hey you're still part of this we're all still part of this we're all together we're all one you're still in my heart I just can't I I don't get to come up and give you the love that I would normally give you and so I was trying to bridge that gap a little bit but it's hard and it created a lot of weird just kind of separations and you know people went home a lot more right after production was over and you didn't get that usual kind of hangout and decompress together time yeah, that's what it's missing too. It's like, we just, you're like, okay, bye. And then you just go. And it's like, you know, even, even now for like lunches and stuff, remember when you could just like sit with everybody and like, you know, whatever and you just, you know, talking and whatever. It's like some of the times we've had to like eat in our cars on the way to the next set. And it's like, it just takes away because like, I'm such a super social person. So not saying that you can't talk to anybody, but like, it just makes it hard because a lot of times I'm like, yeah, I would go out with people after work or like, you know, even, or even just when you're taking a break and everyone's just chilling, it's like a lot of people now kind of go to their own little bubble and you're just kind of there. So that's, that's taken away a little bit of the joy of kind of being on set, you know, but the good thing is like, we are still able to do it um, in a different, in a different fashion, but we're still able to do it. So, you know, there's, there's some positivity, (laughs) positivity there. All right. Now, what's the best gift you've gotten from a project? Ooh, yeah. I remember back in the day, they used to give us swag and stuff. I feel like I haven't gotten swag in a long time. Right. <laughs> we used to like shirts and hats and you're like, I worked on this show and I'm so proud. Um, when the um, boss, like when the, the EPs like really recognize what you do and they do like a big old group, like thing for the group where like, mm-hmm. I think one time we had like a big old just outing they rented a, a a location we took down you know took over the restaurant and they just had a party for us you know and it's just like that's the showing the appreciation that kind of stuff goes like a long way for me versus like you know here's a 50 dollar card or something it's like you just recognizing that we're doing awesome and so you threw us a party you know what i mean or um one of my shows actually a long time ago surprised us all and they shut everything down they they shut down the office they're like everybody get out they have buses and everything for us and we were like what are we doing like no no one knew what we we're doing this is the whole post team everyone in post and we were like what are we doing and like no one knew they were like just turn off your things get on the buses so we're getting on the bus we're grabbing and we just show up at this place i totally forgot about this until now and we show up at this um bowling alley and they just had drinks and food and free bowling. And they were just like, don't think about work today. Like you guys have been awesome. really kicking butt and just like have fun because we need it. And that was like, honestly, like one of the best experiences. <laughs> it means everything. I think that's, it's something that is easily overlooked, but it's so important. And, and I know for you, it's one of the advantages for me too, of coming up through the ranks is understanding that some days you just need that. So as you, as you're leading, like that, those are things you never forget because you were, you were seen, you, you were valued that people get it, that the work matters and that you're doing a good job and you know, Hey, so let's go celebrate and to celebrate together. 
how do you want the people who worked with you to remember you? I just want them to remember like my like spirit. Like I try to, even in like the crappiest of times or hour 15 of overtime, like, you know, of time, like I try to find, even if I'm tired or done, I try to find the fun and stuff it's like, we get to do something cool, you know, and, and it's something that a lot of people want to do and don't get a chance. And, you know, so I just want people to just remember like my friendly spirit, um, just because you're my overall vibe, <laughs> because again, we have our days, but you know, there's days where it's like, it's not really that bad guys. Like, look, yeah. we get to, there's stuff on the screen and we get to like create this thing for the world to see. And it's like, you know, granted we're on X amount of hours, but whatever we're fine you know what I mean and tomorrow we'll sleep maybe yeah maybe <laughs> <Now you have> <laughs> kids. <laughs> actually I don't yeah I, probably not some shows I've done where you're just literally working like daily but you know hey money you know work, works work it's better work. It, it beats the alternative that's what I always tell people beats the alternative that's true <laughs> okay what's the legacy you want your loved ones to take from your life that I especially with Black Vintage Media, that I wanted to find a way to make change, you know, even if it's small, that I did, you know, that, um, that I see stuff in people that maybe other people don't see, and that I, you know, am there to, to help tell their stories, but also just like get to know people, you know, finding a new way to, to bring representation. So I would love my loved ones to see that I'm trying to make change, you know, within um, my community, but also, I mean, women, just women, you know, um, people who are underrepresented <laughs> and that, um, and that I did what I could to, to, to help to do that, to, to um, accommodate that. I think we make our legacy every day. And it's so often in the smallest moves that we make and the little things we do from day to day. And you look back, I always tell people like, you can't really see the whole picture. It's a lot like doing a puzzle where you don't know what the final picture is supposed to look like, because it's only years later that we really can look back and see the really beauty of the picture and why that setback led us to something else or why this happened. But you're building a really, truly meaningful, beautiful legacy. And, and, and I am, let me say, I am thankful for this commitment that you've made, this push that you're making. And it is my hope that we get to work together and that I get to watch you rise and that the world knows what Black Vintage Media stands for. And that at some point it becomes the norm. And as you continue to break down these barriers that the legacies people look back and say, okay, Jada Ford, she helped push things forward and that your kids can look and say, I'm proud of my mom. She she made a difference. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. I appreciate it, and and that's what I'm hoping to 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 achieve and to to um, relay. So I, I do appreciate you you saying that. So thank you. And thank yes, you. you too. You're writing too. You're doing cool stuff. So yeah, I would love to see your stuff too. And well, see you and, and that's the thing is I don't plan on going anywhere. I always tell people I'm gonna be around for a long time. So get used to me. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on Fish's Call Sheet. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and me able to, to share what I do <laughs> to the world. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Fish's Call Sheet. I uh, hope you're enjoying this podcast. We have a lot of other episodes where we cover a lot of different categories in our entertainment industry, but I'm so happy to celebrate all the people who make production possible. If you'd like more, or if you'd like to see some of the video with some of the visuals, you can always check us out at any of our social medias at Fish's Call Sheet, or check us out on YouTube, 